Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony Strong got his first restaurant job when he was in high school. It was like day one in a kitchen, really. I was like, oh, this this is my jam right here. And then I proceeded to cut like four of my fingertips off on a box grater that same day. So <laughs> his fingertips healed and he worked his way up in the restaurant industry, moved from his hometown to New York City and then to San Francisco, where in 2008 he got to do what so many chefs dream of doing and what he himself had been dreaming of doing for decades. He opened his own restaurant. It was called Prairie. It was 80 seats. We had three different charcoal grills and a full bar. It was busy. It was really well received. But as a business, as a way to make a living, it sucked. Paper-thin margins are a high-labor business, a very high-labor business. You're spending a ton of money on very expensive ingredients. Um, it's a very packed, very competitive sector. So it's hard to, it's hard to stand out. It's a classic restaurant story and one that ultimately led Anthony to try something really different. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? My guest today is Anthony Strong. He's the chef and owner of Pasta Supply Co., a retail store and restaurant in San Francisco. Anthony's problem is this. How can you make a new kind of restaurant, one that serves good, fresh food at a reasonable price, and actually works as a business. Anthony's quest started during the pandemic. He closed his restaurant, Prairie, and he started trying to figure out how to create something simpler, something made for a moment when people were not gathering indoors. One day, he saw the answer sitting by the curb outside his house. My neighbor across the street had a uh, had a, a vintage VW van and VW camper, like an 82. And 
uh, she actually caught me out there with a measuring tape standing outside of her van uh, to see if I could get <laughs> 70, 70 inches is all you need from back of seat to back of seat to make a comfortable, you know, dining situation. Um, <laughs> she came out and she's like, uh, excuse me. Hey, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, mind if I look in your van? By the way, are you selling it? And she wasn't. Um, but I was able to, to figure out that I could build a, uh, uh, a table for four. Um, that would be pretty comfortable inside of uh, a similar model and found one on Craigslist, uh, drove up to Oregon with a friend to get it and then built the thing out with a pretty, like you'd be shocked, very surprisingly comfortable dining room. And, and the dining room is a table in the back of a van, just to be clear. So the dining room, when, you know, it, these old vans, they have that sliding door and, um, and the dining room is just inside the sliding door, right in the middle. And the back is where I built the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I had a, uh, charcoal grill that rolled out and a whole kitchen set up. And I did two seatings of four people a night. Um, I think the menu started around somewhere just above a hundred bucks a person and ended up being close to 200 a person. So pretty high end, yeah. very high end particularly for the fact that it's in a van down by in the river. Van. Yeah, yeah. And did it work as a business? It worked. It worked as a business because, because there wasn't any overhead and it, and it was just me and one person helping to clean a van and prep. But the, the important thing about it is it got me, it sort of snapped me out of restaurant mind, the sort of like uh -huh. mentality of, the standard model of restaurant, which is, okay, you need to have 80 seats and a full bar and a restaurant that has a host uh -huh. and a wine person on the floor and all of these moving parts yeah. that it takes to orchestrate, you know, a, a semi-fine dining restaurant. So I, I sort of realized that maybe there could be an option outside of that. Anthony wound up opening a new restaurant in San Francisco in March of 2023. It was called Pasta Supply Co., and he was really trying to do something different. To understand how and why this restaurant is different, I asked Anthony to take me through going to eat dinner there and to tell me all the ways Pasta Supply Co. is different than the traditional nice restaurant experience. Uh, well, you start by not making a reservation. Uh, we don't take reservations. Okay. Um, we're walking only. Cutting out having to pay a reservation platform. What's it, what's it cost? To pay a reservation platform. Like you're talking about like open table or uh, resi, right? Like these kinds of online platforms where you make a reservation online. Yep. Yep. Uh, my old place, we were spending 25, 2700 a month. Wow. Um, because you pay a, a fee and then you um, also pay per reservation. Okay. And if you want more visibility on their platform, you pay an additional marketing package. So, okay, so I don't make a reservation. Uh, I walk into your restaurant, Pasta Supply Co. Just in terms of what I see when I walk in the door, how is it different than a traditional restaurant? Yeah, when you walk in the door, it's very clear that you're eating in a pasta shop. Uh -huh. You see a huge retail display with tons of fresh pasta for sale, like 30 different kinds and 20-ish different sauces to work with and all sorts of fun, you know, ingredients for the kitchen. It's like basically one side of the restaurant is essentially like a deli counter, right? There's like a glass case and there's pasta in it. It's sort of a hybrid, right? There's like 
tables, and then there's kind of a retail store in the same space. Tell me about the business thinking behind that setup. The reason for doing that was to have a business that could stand on two legs and be a little bit more durable long-term. You know, in a restaurant, you're trying to make all of your money by filling up seats from hopefully the minute that you open until the minute that you close at night. Uh The reality is the middle fills in pretty quickly and everybody's trying to fill early seatings or late seatings. And, you know, with all of the resources that it Uh takes to pull off a restaurant, like making money that way is tough. I mean, it is amazing when you think about it, like you got to pay rent, you know, for being there all the time, which in San Francisco is especially significant, right? An expensive place to rent a rent a shop. And for a restaurant, there's like maybe four hours of the day when you're actually making money, right? And the rest of the time, the space is just sitting there and you're paying for it. Oh, it's crazy. It's so wild. So that's like a thesis, right? You have this thesis. Well, maybe if we could be selling fresh pasta all day long, uh, that'll, that'll help bring in money at, you know, three in the afternoon when we'd be making zero dollars otherwise. Is that working? It's working really well. Yep. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm shocked at how, how well it's working. Um, and in fact, we have people coming in all day long, uh, grabbing stuff to work with at home. Um, so, okay. So first thing I see when I go to your restaurant is it's not just a restaurant, it's a store. Good. We've got that. What else, when I get to the restaurant, what else is different? When you get to the restaurant, uh, you're greeted by a host at the door, which is totally normal, right? But that host is standing right at the door, usually outside. The host asks you for your order. We give you a menu and uh, we talk to you about food right up front and we get your whole order right there. So that's a little more like a what would typically be a fast casual thing, right? That's a little bit sort of like at a Chipotle or a sweet green or something, right? I mean, that's the kind of as a diner had that kind of experience. Why yeah, are you doing that? Kind of. You know, I, I was really interested in coming up with a model that could be casual, but wouldn't make you like get a number on a stick and go bust your own table, right? Like I wanted, we okay. wanted to give a few more service touch points than, than that. And so when you order with our host, you, you get the kind of <laughs> – the front end of the dining experience out of the way right away, right? And then mm-hmm. when you sit down at your table, the wine hits the table 10 seconds later. Uh, your salad and your other appetizer hit a couple minutes after that. And mm-hmm. then we land pastas on your table within you know 15 minutes or so. It's like, it just goes so much so much more efficiently. And you know, it, it, it's not for everybody, by the way. Like, we're definitely not the the towel over your arm. I'm an impatient (laughs) diner myself. I'd way rather walk around the block when my pasta's cooking than sit at a table. But I'm curious, as you say, not everybody likes that. It's non-traditional for a a nicer restaurant. Like, why did you make that particular choice? Uh, We chose to do that because it it cuts, on average, uh, 12 to 15 minutes we found of dead time off the front end of every seating. So the, the dead time is a person just sitting there at the table and nothing's happening. Just sitting there. In fact, in fact, that's when you start catching up because you're out to eat with your friends, right? And 
So you're sort of looking at the menu and uh-huh. you're sort of talking about how your day went. And uh-huh. then the, the server checks back in to see if you want still or sparkling water, or you want to start with a beverage. And then you say, Hey, just a second. Yeah, sure. Tap. Uh, yeah. It's like, Oh my God, it's excruciating for a restaurant. You're just sitting there watching the table be dead. And so uh-huh. in, in, in a, uh-huh. in a restaurant, we're constantly on people to get those orders in as fast as possible. Right. It's sort of analogous to the, to the restaurant being empty most of the day, right? This is now you're at key time, the, right. the you know, the <laughs> yeah. few hours of the day when you can actually make money, yeah. but that table is just sitting there and you're not turning it over. Right. You want to maximize the percentage of time when somebody's at a table that they're eating and drinking. You don't want them filling up a table when everybody wants to eat and not having food in front of them. Right, right. Actual, active, engaged customer time. Yes. And we're able to price more competitively because of it, which is something that is huge Uh in a city as expensive as San Francisco. You know, a normal fine dining or semi-fine dining restaurant, you're seeing pasta prices way up past the mid-20s these days. And and you're paying wow. for that dead 30 time. 30 bucks for a bowl of pasta would make me very sad. Yep, it's it's pretty tough. So our version is cutting off some of the some of the BS off the front of the dinner. We'll be back in a minute to discuss, among other things, one of the most interesting, complicated dynamics in the restaurant business, tipping. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the show. So, so let's talk about the menu. So I, before I even walk into the restaurant, I'm looking at the menu. How does your menu look different than a typical restaurant menu? So our menu is just two or three salads. That's it. Five or six pastas. We change them pretty regularly. And no entrees. We're not trying to promise the world to people. You know, we can't, we're not going to roast a chicken. So what does having a smaller menu do for you as a business? So the smaller menu is all about efficiency and doing more with less. You know, our we're a pasta shop. Our entire focus is pasta, is using that one product. And we're not getting in a chicken and brining it and having it take up space overnight in the refrigerator so that the skin can dry out a little bit and then roasting that. Like all pastas are literally just like, boil, cook them with the sauce for a minute or two, and then they get sent to the table. So we just see a lot more efficiency from like really focusing on specializing on that one really high quality product. You're basically a pasta factory. A little pasta factory. And in fact, it's everything is right on display there and people love it. You know, I, I really wanted to, to bring some wow moments to to a retail storefront. And, and when people walk in and they see the pasta being made right in front of them on these, on these machines with conveyor belts, it's like, it, it's so exciting for them. It's so fun. It gets them engaged in their food, which actually uh, brings up another point, which is um, we don't make any pastas by hand. Okay. You know, I, <laughs> in, in Italy, you've got like, 10 grandmas. I've, I've gotten to sit at a lot of tables with, you know, uh, half a dozen or so grandmas sitting around a table making tiny little tortellini with their hands. Right. And, you know, for us, when we first opened, we were making some, you know, very labor intensive, tiny, tiny handmade shapes. And <laughs> you spend like two hours making a dozen or so orders of something. So you sell out immediately and I really didn't want to be the place that had to charge $40 a pound for some precious boutique product, right? Yeah. Um, so we make 30 different shapes using this huge extruder machine and also another one that makes rolled and filled pastas with all these cool conveyor belts. Um, it, goes, it goes really fast. So what do you charge? What's a bowl of pasta cost at your restaurant? Uh, all of our pastas are... Uh, I think right now $21 and lower on the menu. Okay. So just to go back to like the arc of my meal at Pasta Supply Co., I've, mm -hmm. I haven't made a reservation. I've showed up. I've seen that it's a retail store. I've ordered uh, before I sit down. It's a small menu. Once I sit down, is it just like a normal restaurant? What's different once I sit down? Once you sit down, it's basically like a normal restaurant. It was kind of surprising to me how normal it felt <laughs> just after having people order at the door. Uh, like it just feels normal. The the food hits the table. We bring you, you know, your water and your wine and you can easily get another glass of wine without getting up and going to a counter or anything weird like that. And it's a pretty normal feeling, you know, restaurant. It's it, it's funny a friend of mine uh, was like, hey, like you, you gotta 
keep your business model to yourself, right? Like that whole order at the door thing. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a gold mine too. Like, don't, don't tell anybody about it. I'm like, no, no. In fact, like, please <laughs> restaurants, please just start doing this. It works so much better. And the more acclimated people get to this type of thing, the, the better it is for all of us. Um, we kind of need to snap out of it a little bit. So then my meal is done. I get the check. How's the check look different than a typical restaurant check? Uh, well, the check looks quite a bit different because uh, it's very much more affordable than you would normally find in a city like San Francisco. And then we also add on a service charge. Uh -huh. um, ours is pretty modest, um, 15%. And we right now we're still leaving the option to add an optional, uh, to add a gratuity. But, but the 15% is basically, is basically the tip? Uh, it's basically in lieu of tips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in lieu of tips. So that 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 is a whole thing, right? Yeah. Like tipping is a whole thing. It's a kind of a uniquely American thing, right? You go to restaurants in other countries. It's not customary to tip in the way that it is here. Why did you make that choice? I made that choice on principle. The whole system is messed up because not only does it create a huge wage disparity between... Um, a lot of front and back of the house employees in, in a single restaurant. Right. So the people getting tipped end up making a lot more than the people working on the line in the kitchen or washing dishes. Or oh, whatever. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember at times when I was a chef of a restaurant working 80-hour weeks, I'd make less than a server who worked a, four, a few shifts on a really busy section. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that, that just... Um, <laughs> that just doesn't work really. And also yeah. it creates a, <laughs> creates a vibe, I guess, you know, in the, in the, in the customer and server relationship that is just generally unhealthy. It leads to things like, um, yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm not sure how into tipping I want to get. It's a pretty hot I subject. I mean, it leads to like sexual harassment being normalized, right? Yes, I mean, exactly. I don't know if that's what you were thinking of. Thank but, like, you. It, it is, leads yeah. to like power dynamics and gender dynamics in particular between yeah. the customers and the servers that can be really unhealthy. It's a very unhealthy thing. Yeah. And so how does the service charge work in terms of employee compensation? Do you just pay the staff a higher wage than you otherwise would? Or does that, how does that work? Yep. We, we pay the staff a higher wage and are able to factor in, you know, things that most normal businesses do when they decide compensation, like tenure and performance. So, okay. So you have created this restaurant that's different in a lot of ways than a traditional restaurant, right? There's no reservations, it's half retail, you order when you get there. It's a smaller menu. The service charge is baked in. How's it working as a business? It's working very well. Yep. We're paying people well. Our, our costs are significantly lower. Let me put it this way. I haven't skipped a paycheck uh -huh. since we opened. You personally, because you mean there's always enough money to make payroll so you can pay yourself and everybody yeah. else. Yep. Yep. And that's, um, that's rare for a lot of restaurants. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? 
Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. Let's finish with a lightning round. Just okay. a bunch of questions. Okay. That are kind of fun. What's the hardest thing about cooking for customers out of a van? <laughs> uh, being the chef sommelier and server and the guy who's trying to fight off the seagulls all at the same time. <laughs> The seagulls I didn't think of as one of the challenges of selling pasta out of a van down by the bay. Who's your favorite character in The Bear? Oh, God. Favorite character in The Bear would be the sous chef. Just like young, going at it. Yeah. Neurotic, but in the most charming way. It's kind of what I'm going for. Definitely neurotic. She's like, she's like straight up. I know her. You know, I know like so many of her in our uh-huh. business. She feels very real. Doesn't yes. she feel very real? She really, really um, is. Yeah. What's one thing I can do to cook better pasta? Mm. So you need to take it out of the water a minute, even two minutes ahead of time and give it enough time to get to know the sauce in the pan. Pull it from the water. Hold on to some of that cooking water some of that pasta water, it's like gold. It's got all the starch in it. You can add small amounts at a time to the sauce, but like giving those two, the sauce and the pasta time to, to cook together in the pan will like adhere the sauce to the pasta properly and, and just make a significantly better product. I feel compelled to say that my wife already does that, but I do not. So okay. point to her. Yeah. Yeah. Point to her. Um, what's the most underrated pasta shape 
Ooh, dang, that's a good one. Let's see here. <laughs> Such a heated topic for me. So honestly, like underrated pasta shape is 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 rigatoni. Huh. Which one is that? Is that it's a hollow straight tube that's like oh, tube. typically okay. ridged on the outside, right? And and I feel like rigatoni is something that, you know, it's just sort of seen as basic like spaghetti, right? But but it it holds the juicy sauce inside so that it just like snap when you snap into the pasta, it just gushes into your mouth. And that like delicate little ridge on the outside okay. gives a little bit of tongue tickle and helps it adhere to the sauce. Like it's such a it's such a like common yet just absolutely lovely shape. Well, I gotta ask, what's the most overrated pasta shape? Oh man, what's the most overrated pasta shape? Oh, dude, angel hair. What is up with angel hair pasta? It's so thin. <laughs> like, okay, I get thin and delicate, right? Like, but there's so many better thin and delicate pasta shapes that are long and slurpable that don't just disintegrate in sauce immediately. Angel hair, not into it. Yeah, I feel like there was a weird angel hair bubble in maybe the 90s. It was very 90s. I don't know how old you are, but I'm old enough to remember. Yep. What are you going to go do right now? Uh, Right now, I'm going to go downstairs and see if we have enough semolina showing up for the weekend. It's flour, basically. Yep. North American organic Durham summer. You don't have flour, you're screwed. If we don't have flour, good luck with your business model if you can't make the pasta. <laughs> Anthony Strong is the chef and owner of Pasta Supply Co. Today's show was produced by Edith Russolo, edited by Karen Chikurji, and engineered by Sarah Bruguer. If you like the show, please tell somebody about it or review it on whatever podcast app you use. If you don't like the show, don't review it, but email us and tell us how we can make it better. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at T-Mobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Hey there. I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.